everyone. My name is Prajanma Singh, and I'm a member of the product marketing team here at Cloudinary. Uh, this is MX Matters, where we discuss all things media experience and the trends that shape the visual economy. And I'm so happy to be here today with Zoe Lu. She's the founder and CTO of Visioner. Uh, so we are here to learn more about the company and the business. So with that, I'll start with one question that all our listeners and viewers may have. So who is Visioner? And Zoe, can you tell us a little bit more about your company, the founding, as well as the products? Well, thank you so much. I'm so happy that uh, getting involved in this uh, in this program. So I'm Zoe. Uh, we are Visioner. We are a three-year-old startup company. Uh, we are mainly uh, delivering video compression, encoding, transcoding, and streaming software solutions. Uh, either through licensing our software for uh, on-premise deployment, or we also provide cloud-based APIs, mainly serving uh, enterprise customers, whoever has a need to make videos smaller and better. Uh, that's our main target. And it's mainly leveraging our innovative technologies in video compression, image processing and image and machine learning. And those are the things we have been dedicated. And for myself, I have been uh, mainly in video compression and uh, streaming technologies, everything school. So for all the past 20 years, that's something like dear to our heart. Oh, that's really exciting. Uh, so yeah, for our listeners, uh, you know, you mentioned something about uh, compression and uh, codecs. So for our listeners who may not understand the world of next-gen codecs, can you explain some of the new formats that are uh, coming up, why they are needed, and how can they benefit uh, different businesses? Well, uh, video uh, format is mainly uh, based on the video standards, video codec standard. And as we now know that there's uh, already a lot of standard, for example, it's mainly uh, finalized by the MPAC organization, such as uh, uh, H264, AVC, which has already been almost 18 years. And also H265, HEVC has been around eight years, which was, um, I think, finalized in 2013. And on another uh, thread, there is uh, VP8, and VP9, and right now there's a new codec standard. Relatively, no, it's already uh, also almost, uh, it's already th almost three years. AB1, which was finalized in June of 2018. And AB1 was mainly um, pushed out by Alliance of Open Media, short of AOM. Um, there's also some new standards coming out, such as H.266 VVC by MPEG, and also there's EVC and LC EVC. So there's all kinds of formats currently going on. And uh, for AV1, for example, it's um, a little different from the MPEG standard. Uh, from day one, it was targeted to be a royalty-free uh, Codec, meaning that you don't have to pay the royalties if you leverage this codec format. And also, uh, up to now, uh, AV1 has been really taking off, supported by um, 
basically uh, a new codec um the ecosystem is being uh, set up it's mainly symbolized by the hardware decoder support so right now av1 has been really supported by for example tv sets setup box and a lot of cheap um designers uh, for example by intel nvidia and amd boardcom mediatek uh, both on pcs servers uh, setup box and mobile devices um especially for their new generational uh chipset and for such kind of platforms everyone's uh, hardware decoding is really rolling out at the same time uh everyone has been always uh, supported by Chrome. The web-based is very naturally supported by uh, the Chromium and Chrome browsers and a lot of other browsers. So from, from it was born, AV1 was very target and amenable, I would say, uh, to web-based applications. And also it has been supported by Android, and there's also open source uh, the WebRC platforms uh, that makes it uh, a widely actually widely amenable for all kinds of different web applications. In addition to that, uh, compared to its predecessor VP9, everyone has rolled out more than a hundred coding tools inside it. So make it not only a writer-free code standard, but also a more coding efficient and a better performed video codec format. For example, um, in a lot of case compared against the VP9, you can basically achieve at least a 30% bitrate saving while having the same visual quality on the videos. That sounds great. Uh, Zoe, one thing I'm curious about is what exactly makes it better performing? Well, that's a actually a good question. There's some uh, coding tools behind AV1. Uh, for example, right now, like we are, I think especially since last year under the pandemic, there's a lot of uh, different applications such as uh, the real time we are doing video conference calls. And on the same time, there's a lot of streaming. For example, the e-commerce streaming out and uh, I, you just look at the, the website of uh, Cloudinary, so you have all kinds of applications serving, for example, the, uh, the digital transformation of the e-commerce. And there's a lot of images and the videos are showing about some products. And uh, it's really the content is a mix. So it's a mix of the natural content with the computer-generated content. You have the pictures generated uh, especially for video publishers. And uh, so everyone for the first time have dedicated coding tools uh, to computer generated content or sometimes short as uh, screen content. So screen content not only for like people uh, sharing about their, their screens or their presentations uh, in PowerPoint is also including the like gaming animations and all kinds of because computer generated is very different from nature. For example, look at like Paraj, you have a uh, like white wall background, but it's actually it's not white everywhere because of lightings, because noise. But if it's computer generated, if the background is white, everywhere it's white. 
uh, it's identical. And so in this way, it's a better we handle such of a content using different tools so that uh, you can further squeeze out a lot of bits out of the special content if you have a special tools dedicated to that scenario. And AV1 is the first standard that has included screen content tools, such as um, some like uh, intro block copy, and also there's uh, some palette mode. And using these tools is really can handle the screen content a lot better than some other tools. And uh, even though HEVC does have such tools, it doesn't include in the main body. And AV1 has its main body, meaning that for all the AV1 decoder, it had to support such kind of coding tools. And that makes it special. And on the other side, AV1 some, have some other uh, quite non-conventional. Uh, just a little bit deeper into the video codec, for example, and videos is actually a sequence of images. And uh, for each uh, image, we usually refer to as video frame. So in each frame, one is being compressed, is usually just uh, segmented into uh, either rectangular or uh, non-square, uh, or square kind of shapes and non-overlapping blocks within one frame. And traditionally for H264 and ATV standard, one frame is usually partitioned into rectangular or square-shaped kind of blocks. And AV1 for the first time, including non-square, non-rectangular block shapes. For example, it can uh, be for other shapes by using the tool called uh, wedge-based block partition. In this way, um, you can make better compression in the sense, for example, you look at myself right now sitting in front of the computer and over my shoulders, the boundary is actually separate my own body image with the background. So you can see that these two kind of objects, the foreground and background has a lot of difference. And then the boundary doesn't always have to be aligned with uh, the strict lines of the traditional uh, block boundaries, if you can allow it to be an arbitrary uh, block shape, you actually can really characterize uh, a different block characteristics and apply different tools and different modes to, to different blocks. So this way, um, by rolling out such a kind of new coding tools, AV1 really provide a better way to uh, achieve a better coding efficiency. Uh, of course, uh, at the same time, it's make this standard uh, because it's more uh, coding tools that you can choose from. And when you compress a specific video, you definitely need to find the optimized way in the way not only to make it smaller, to make it a better coding efficient, but you have to make sure that the encoding process is not too slow. So it's a joint optimization between the coding efficiency, visual quality, and encoding speed. Uh, that sounds amazing. Thanks for going into all the details, Zoe. This is so insightful. I mean, I learned a lot of things and I'm sure the listeners and the viewers will be learning a lot from this uh, explanation you shared. So, um, you mentioned some of the applications, right? It's in gaming, we are doing video streaming, and then we are also doing like a lot of these video conferencing and all this consumer demand. 
has spiraled for video, right? In the last yeah. year, year and a half, more so than ever. So uh, what are some of the major events that you have seen or you expect to see that demonstrate that the video market has reached uh, an inflection point and there is like an even greater market opportunity going forward? Well, for this topic, actually there's a lot of that we can we can discuss about. Uh, I think for videos, uh, people um, when talk about the video compression or streaming, there's always uh, a question down there saying that because, for example, 5G is coming, and then we have uh, uh, the network has a lot of more capacities in terms of the bandwidth, and why video may be still uh, in need of compression, why video compression technology are still evolving. I think in this mind, let's look at the the videos, the, the, the nature, the characteristics of the videos. Um, actually, the bandwidth is never enough. And for example, I also look at your um, capability provided by Cloudinary. And when you usage, uh, for example, like e-commerce and or travel, and people, the end users always hungry for better quality, uh, larger resolutions. Once we talk about 720p, 1080p, this HD videos, then people asking about 4K HDRs. And then now we have more. You look at um, uh, the, like you show a commercial product and then people already start to look for 360 videos and ARs. So the request is also uh, fastly evolving. And with such amount of huge data and compression is always on demand. So this is a one dimension to look at this. And on the other side, um, originally we talk about the videos is mainly about the premium videos, uh, meaning that the videos are created by really professional like studios. And we would talk about the movies and dramas. On the other side, there's uh, very professional broadcasting for example, like event broadcasting and sports broadcasting. So those videos are have a higher quality and they also demand higher quality to be delivered to the end users. But at the same time, now like YouTube, we have so many uh, influencers, they created their videos by themselves. And this category is usually referred to user-generated videos. Uh, I see that on your website, Cloudinary have handled a lot of like web-based applications. There's e-commerce, video publishers. And when they create their videos, when they upload their videos to the website, the network conditions in them could be really various across like global geological areas. There's still some areas that quite challenging in terms of internet connections. So this means that with so much abundant video that being created, it's not only when you handle the web-based or cloud-based videos, their quality, quality could be really a lot of like variance across uh, different videos. They could already have some blocking artifacts or noise or blur and uh, so with all of this and the video technologies really have to involve to uh, meet such kind of request. Uh, so that's already, so you look at, um, that's one side of 
the user generated content really adding to the premium content become a huge demand. On the other side, uh, especially I think under pandemic, we have a lot of video conferencing calls. People are remoting and e-commerce are booming. So everything's gone live and videos become more, not only in the scenario, for example, for video on demand, but more live. With live, you have more demands on delay. So uh, just now I just mentioned, so video compressions not only optimize video uh, coding efficiency, better quality, but also demands for uh, low delay. And with low delay, um, that is even more challenging, meaning that you have to process it fast and you also have to process in the real time so that a lot of more interactive, uh, interactive correct communications could be possible. So with all of this and the video uh, technologies have to be involving. And not only for the traditional compression, but a lot more involving uh, the machine learning. What I meant with uh, well, AI is machine learning, meaning that ideally you can do something really in an adaptive way. For example, if you have a video that you think that let's handle this video specifically, then you may just try to understand what is the characteristic of this video and try to find the best tools to compress this video. However, for any transcoder, we'll look at what your backhand, you handle so many videos of different varieties at the same time. So there's no time that you dedicated one specific like encoder to one category. There's so many categories you have to handle at the same time. And whenever there's optimization, there's adaptability involved, then you can definitely get the machine learning factor in. And not only for the compression itself, but also, for example, uh, you can look at the region of interest and uh, allocate more bits to those areas in the video that's more perceptually significant to the human eyes. And in that sense, there's uh, some video process analysis involved that they can leverage machine learning. Mm -hmm. And also, I think Claudia's product already make a good example. So look at your product, you have like auto automatic video cropping and automatic video stabilization. So those kind of, uh, AI based of uh, tools applied to the video. So not only so made the video visually more pleasant to the end users, it's actually make the video compression and streaming also easier job. For example, if the video have a lot of like vibration and, and, and the motions, then you have to spend a lot of bandwidth to handle that kind of information. After video is being stabilized, indeed, from our video encoder engineers point of view, it's actually a lot easier to encode and a lot easier to reduce the overall bandwidth that is needed. And with all of this, I think it's a really exciting time to combine that, like at the beginning that I mentioned, to combine video compression, processing, and machine learning into handling of the videos and make the technologies really become the enabler of the new application that's serving our precious end users. Uh, this was really insightful, Zoe. And yeah, I mean, 
video has just exploded everywhere right uh, even as a short form entertainment like people go to tiktok youtube is has been there and then instagram has a lot of video formats now so th the whole behavior sort of gets shaped and the user expectation gets shaped by you know these social platforms where users so many mil millions of users are there and they spend a lot of time and then they start expecting the same from other businesses so uh, you know the yeah. technology yeah so this is quite interesting cycle in in the technology world as well yeah because you mentioned about the short video like you mentioned yeah i think short video is a very special um, area cuz uh, look at it from the user behavior they basically scratch through uh, uh, like a bunch of short videos in a very fast uh, uh, behavior so in this yeah. sense um, it's usually for example, the delay, the starting time of the video has to be fast enough. Otherwise, people will experience a glitch. So just meet this need. There's a lot of technologies involved. For example, how do you make sure that the first frame of the video can show right away? And it really gave the users a very simulate um, playback experiences. And then also, because of the video uh, is mainly being watched over mobile phones, you think of like so many uh, mobile platforms, there's uh, Android, different versions, there's iOS and different mobile, uh, different devices. Uh, we have actually customers in uh, Indian Southeast Asia, and those kind of mobile devices are very different from devices we are handling here in the US and also different from that is being deployed in, in Europe. So those kind of adding another complex layer to how you handle the video experiences. Sounds great. Um, so I'm, I'm also just wondering that you shared some of the uh, applications of it, uh, specifically on AV1 format. Uh, can you share some examples how this specific format can help deliver faster or more efficient video experiences, some real life examples that you have seen? Yeah, AV1 is actually in the sense that because it's uh, the predecessor of AV1 is VP9 and before that it's VP8. So I just mentioned about this uh, open source platform, WebRTC is mainly right now has been widely deployed, especially for real-time communications. And AV1 is actually also inherit all the characteristics from VP8 and VP9 and have further improvement. Like you mentioned, I can mention one characteristic or coding tools provided by AV1 is the scalability. So AV1 provides both temporal and spatial scalability, meaning that, uh, let's talk about the temporal scalability, meaning that you can uh, encode the video once, but then um, with the encoded B-stream, you can selectively determine what is the frame rate, meaning that per second, how many frames to deliver to different end users. And this is great helpful when you're doing uh, real-time communications or live streaming because network can be really varying and different across different users. When the network condition varies, varies over the time with for different users, you can selectively drop the frames without affecting the final experiences uh, much of the video. You don't have to uh, freeze this video, you don't have to do a lot of switch. 
and then by automatically adjusting uh, the video frame rate in an adaptive way, is actually video can really maintain a fluid to the end users under different network conditions. So this tool making everyone more amenable for interactive RTC usage and for live streaming with extremely low delay. Sounds great. So yeah, thanks for sharing uh, this really insightful information about the next-gen codecs and the AV1 format specifically. And uh, I think we'll stop here. Uh, thanks again for joining us and for all the viewers, uh, smash the like button and you can subscribe to get the latest, latest episode of MX Matters and keep up to date on all things media experience. Thanks everyone. Well, thank you for having me.